a podcast to honor the gods. This better come with a sacrifice. Dave X Media. Rotten cabbages? What kind of slum do you think this is? Babe, it's it's time. It's here. I need, I need to have a I need to have a talk with you. Oh no, is everything There's okay? There's some things I really need to talk to you about and I think like here at the the beginning of this recording is a great time to like hash out these these things okay this is really big so i need you to sit down okay well clearly then you're okay with all our listeners and everyone like we're here to yeah, support you I'm not gonna, whatever I'm not, whatever it is oh hello i'm not, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna edit it out yes ray's here that's we'll get to that in a second i need to talk to you oh oh we have a guest there's like so much happening okay just go ahead and tell me what's going on the show is almost over um this well, is the beginning of the end of Avatar The Last Airbender. Well, now that you just go ahead and set it and ripped that band-aid off. I, um, I just have to be direct about I'm it. I'm even more grateful for our friend Ray being here for emotional support. Because, <laughs> like, just like our other friend Charlie, who they just so happened to be on a podcast that we love of the <laughs> Eldest God co-host. Charlie got us through the Oppa drought, which was possibly the worst period oh, of the yes. show it was and, the most painful period of my of my uh, life and now you're the here Abadra. now you're here for the podcast uh ray welcome to my cabbages uh if you start crying i'll start crying <laughs> okay we'll do our <laughs> best well you know what crying i'm just thinking about all that all that time like appa spent locked up underground <laughs> stop no. it no you, you stop can't it. go there now <laughs> no don't, um, make, don't make me get the water bottle i'm zach i'm alex and I'm Ray. And, and this, this is, is My Cabbages! An Avatar podcast. Great. Well, Ray, welcome again to my cabbages. Uh, we're so happy to have you. Yeah, thanks for thanks for bringing me on. I've been very excited. Well, it. You know what? We reserved the last episodes for very special people, and you're one of those people. And you are like the last host of a Deus Ex Media show to come on for the show. So I think it was like suiting when we finally, like we completed our circle um, (laughs) and no better time than the present. So Ray, but for the listeners who don't know, please introduce yourself to the members of the cabbage patch. All right. Well, hi, my name is Ray. Um, I am the target audience for this show, <laughs> so that gives you an idea of my age. Um, uh, Perfect. Yeah. I am on Of the Eldest Gods. I co-host with Charlie. We do a chapter-by-chapter read-through of uh, Rick Riordan's book series. We're still in uh, Percy Jackson and the Olympians, so <laughs> right now we're reading um, the title. Ty- no, oh my god. I got so used to the one. Yeah. The Titans curse. Yeah. No, we yeah. finished that one. I'm sorry. We're in the Battle of the Labyrinth. I'm nervous. <laughs> you know, well, you guys are technically on break right now. So, uh, but you, 
still have content for years and years oh, to come. Oh, yeah, we do. And so you much guys content. are probably also going to have content for years and years to Hopefully, come. Hopefully, that's, that's the idea. <laughs> sure, yeah. We're, um, you know, we have a little less content than, you know, Christina over at the Restricted Section and y'all with the first five books for, like, the Olympian uh, uh, series. Mm. Yeah, but we we're we're looking at that content cliff to the original series right now, as Zach alluded to in the intro. And boy, has it been a ride! But we're gonna get through it. There may be tears. Uh, there may be some screaming. There might be just like a lot of emotions. We're, we're just gonna feel all of them. Okay. Uh, I feel like Ira would just be like, "Yes, just let your body and your mind just." <laughs> Your heart and your mind Zuko. do not have to be in conflict. Zuko, sometimes when you are experiencing powerful emotions, it is important to let them flow like water, boiling water, into tea. <laughs> I made tea. Would you please drink some? I love you, <laughs> uh, nephew. <laughs> <laughs> perfect chef's kiss love that zuko that iro impression yeah 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 Yeah. well you so you host this wonderful show uh of the eldest gods that zach and i have both guested on and have had a great time at all every t- episode um y'all are about to start battle of the labyrinth uh check out of the eldest gods we'll put their trailer at the end of this episode but n- in terms yeah, they, of they record their episodes with a, a great runway they, we should be more like them. We, we are not. Podcast goals. Hey, guess when this episode's coming out, Patch? Guess, guess when it's coming out? Probably the week after we were recording it. Yeah, it's literally... We're, we're recording in close to real time as possible, okay? Yeah, yeah. Hot because off. Because we have this incredibly... current. We have this incredibly current show, Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs> There's yeah, a lot happening courage. in the fandom, right? We don't want to give anything Absolutely. away. Absolutely. True. True, uh, very true, very true. Speaking of Avatar and an older show, Ray, can you share with the our other fr- fans in the Cabbage Patch how you came to be a fan of Avatar and just like your relationship with the series? Wait, 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 wait. I have to put the record scratch in here first because we got to talk about a very important show <laughs> called Barbie Mo- Barbie. Barbie, Barbie movie, movie slap. slap, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell us about that. Pimp that show. <laughs> yes, please listen to that show. That one's not <laughs> a network, and it's a disaster. It's more of a side project, and it comes out when it feels like coming out. <laughs> um, but uh, me and my cousin Teddy, we have been watching through the Barbie movies and doing an episode on all of those. And uh, peop- sometimes. In the wild, we'll run into people who listen to that. So, okay. Like, oh, that's wild. Like, Ted will meet people on TikTok or whatever who are so, like, wait, that show? I will say this, Ray, and I'm like, please, we're, we're, we will take any references to any fandoms uh, during the show today. <laughs> we, we welcome all opinions here. And I also, growing up, had affinity for the Barbie movies. Have y'all done Barbie Rapunzel yet? Yes, we've been going in timeline order, so... Amazing. Uh, where Wait, are you in this? love where timeline are you? order? No, okay. <laughs> where? As in, like, Barbie cinematic no, universe no. timeline? Um, um, if you ask Charlie, there is a Barbie cinematic universe. We have, we have theories. But, um... 
<laughs> no, more release order, I suppose. Okay. I was going to say, because Rapunzel would have to be first, right? Because that's like hundreds of years ago. Well, okay. The, Barbie is an actress. And in certain films, we see Barbie as an actress go do other stuff. So there technically is a connection between this, all those films. So hold on. Is Barbie Rapunzel like, a, is it like Lightyear? Is it like a movie within the Barbie universe? Yes. The films will be called Barbie as Rapunzel and Barbie in Swan Lake. Barbie the actress is performing these roles. What? That is so fucking meta. Jesus. Cancel the cancel the conversation about Avatar. We're just going to talk about the Barbie canon for the next hour. Hey, if you want a guest on, on Barbie Slaps, you can always come by. Well, our I mean, Alex I, will happily come on, and uh, I, she is welcome to drag me on, and I will watch an episode and be like the the one who is here against his will. Oh hell yeah! I have certainly not uh, watched all the Barbie movies. I probably don't have deep as fan theories as Barbie as an actress and the title cover of Barbie in or Barbie as <laughs> dot dot dot. I that's new to me. But I have watched certain movies, and there's ones that I like, and ones that um more I love more than others. And so yeah, like always I'll here to you. to go down a, another fandom rabbit hole. But Barbie <laughs> Rapunzel is one of my favorites, and it reminded me because a YouTuber we watched, Curtis Connor, did a video talking about where he compared mm. Barbie Rapunzel to the like one of the Bratz movies, like Bratz Secret of like oh, the Curtis Pixie. Connor, yeah. Or some something, and it was amazing. So I will share that and drop it in the show notes because people should watch it. Uh, I the you want to get me on board for a Barbie movie? You do Barbie as the Martian. Okay, you do Barbie, <laughs> but she like goes up on a space mission, gets like stranded in space, and has to survive and like grow her own crops and stuff. I also want all the playsets for that movie as well. <laughs> uh one me too. Two, there is a Barbie space film called Barbie Starlight Adventure, which is one of oh. the only decent modern Barbie films. So oh. I'm on board. I'm on board. There is a... See, this is me when I started working at a restaurant in college. And Ray, like, we, when I would go to a table and a customer was like, oh, do you have X to drink? And, I, and like, we would, they would name a beer. Like, we don't really have that because we had craft beer. And I would recommend something to them and they would like it. And it's, it's always feel good. Or like for Zach, it's recommending pieces of media or literature to Christina that, that she enjoys. So like for you, it's like, there's a Barbie movie for everyone. You're <laughs> a, a Barbie sommelier. <laughs> what about Barbie survives the zombie apocalypse? Uh, there isn't even a Halloween film. Uh, it's That's a so constant source of disappointment. Yes. <laughs> That's oh, so disappointing. That is. I just, I'm rewatching one of my favorite animes right now, Little Witch Academia. And mm. uh, for people that uh, are looking for a show to watch that is not, uh, tell me you like Harry Potter without liking Harry Potter, you know, like you can just <laughs> yeah, dead name yeah. that whole series. That, um, you want to get that magic school vibe on. Yeah. This is the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Little Witch Academia is so much better. And um, they just had a Sawin episode and it lasted multiple episodes. And it was just, it was so good. And I'm like, why? Like, it just, the more that I like delve into witchcraft and like am reading books, like I'm in like a phase right now where I'm planning my garden for this year. This is the first time I've had a space where I can plant things in the ground that are going to come back every year and just like, <laughs> It's going to be great. Amazing. Let's do this. But uh, 
am I going through this and really seeing like like the the wheel of the year and different celebrations and different aspects of you know what people incorporate into witchcraft and like so the fact that there's wizards and uh witches based upon sex and gender is a very 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 stupid and also be uh why don't halloween what like like the closest we get is the yule ball and it's just like you know a, a dance it's not even actually a celebration of yule it's just like christmas decorations plus, and i'm like this is so fucking lame i hate plus, it burn it all plus, to the ground plus on a completely on a almost completely unrelated note all of the witches and wizards in harry potter aren't fucking witches and wizards they're sorcerers fight me on this okay <laughs> listen sorcerers they like have wizards, natural innate magic. Yeah, you, yes, you're wizards, right. Wizards like, <laughs> have to study for years and sort of cultivate this magical power within themselves through knowledge. And while they, I guess they kind of do that when they go to school for it or whatever, they have innate magic powers that they're born with. They're sorcerers. <laughs> it's off soapbox. <laughs> I'll die on this hill. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Anyways, we've got a lot of fan theories and opinions and feelings on this show, and this episode definitely has a lot of feelings. So, yeah, um, it's the oh, beginning yeah. of the end. It's oh. a big deal. So, Avatar. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's show, Tell show us we're about, about Avatar, right? Wait, so hold on. We I wanted to mention we do this podcast. It's called <laughs> It's Called by Cabbages, and on it we talk about Avatar. Oh, that's right. right. We're filming it right now. Oh my god, we're recording it. <laughs> Uh, that's how you know we're in good company and good friends we can talk and nerd about about anything so 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 i did grow up watching the show but not the way that you would think which is that i have never kept up with tv as it was coming out i i couldn't do it as a kid it wouldn't even it would never have even occurred to me like you're bored you sit down you watch tv when it's on you're like which cartoons do i like currently you flip the channel until you find something you recognize and you watch it. Lit- yeah, exactly. The way that we watch TV now is entirely different from when <laughs> I was growing up. All it's y'all young people. I spend way more time staring at all of the titles I have yet to watch than I do actually watching anything now. Exactly, yeah. So I remember when this finale was coming out, I... I I think I probably watched it. I did not super know what was going on because I didn't keep up with the show. It was all out of order. <laughs> yeah, basically. So I knew a lot of the You saw the, the Great plot. Divide like 9,000 times. You're like, I guess this is the whole show. <laughs> For me, that Might is- as well. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't watch the show all the way through and get all of the plot and all of the context until um probably college i must have been 19 or 20 something like that um i think i made my mom sit down and watch it all with me uh i love i've done that with so many shows with my mom and i you know law and order svu once upon a time bates motel there's like oh my mom and i have a lot of shows like that so that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember Once Upon a Time. We can't get caught on another tangent, but Once Upon a Time <laughs> slaps. Anyway. This show is fucking incredible. Uh, so good. Every time that best. I see a reaction series on YouTube of someone just starting it, I'm like, don't mind if I do. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's I my preferred rewatch I need to experience it for method. the first time vicariously <laughs> through someone else. Exactly. Yeah. 
I did that with recently. So, you know, have you ever played Halo? I have not. I watched Red vs. Blue, though, so. <laughs> so Halo 1 has this one mission where they go underground and they encounter this, like, sort of viral organism called the Flood. It's very terrifying. <laughs> and they have, like, it's like this zombie horror survival mission, like, sandwiched in this, like, action-packed FPS. And you're not expecting it. It comes out of nowhere. And so watching streamers that have never played it before in their lives, like, encounter the flood for the first time is so fun because many of them are, like, not horror gamers. And they're, like, (laughs) like shitting their pants, like, like, trying to figure out what's going on right now. It's, like, very disorienting and very fun to watch. That's so anyway, awesome. anyway, I totally get that feeling. I <laughs> spend way too much time watching dumb videos of people reacting to things. <laughs> I will watch a video of like someone breaking down, like a video essay of sorts, and then I will go and I will watch someone react to that video essay that I just mm-hmm. watched. <laughs> Why do I behave like this? Well, because you're not <laughs> done thinking about it, but you don't want to just watch the video again. Yeah. So, and also I do it because I don't have any friends who I can make watch TV. <laughs> uh, there's, oh, yeah, there's no, I always am like that now. Like whenever I find some rabbit hole and then I can just go on to YouTube, like I feel the, the one film that really in college, like I watched Prometheus and I went and then tried to. I was like, for some reason, really taken and obsessed with this film. And I was at a super critical point in college with my life where I was like, I looked at everything with like, what does this mean? Like a super philosophical lens. What movie? Prometheus. Ah, Prometheus. And then went online and YouTube and like just, there was no YouTube. It was just articles and like there was no (laughs) analysis, nothing. And I'm just like, damn, I wish there was like somewhere someone was talking about this movie. This like was before, like, I think, in or Reddit, uh, or Reddit may have just became a thing. So, like, the, but nowadays, you go online. The, archi- the architect <laughs> in the jockey seat is Jesus, right? Isn't that, isn't that the, the analysis of that film, I believe? There you go. I mean, it's... But, do, but do you, did you know that? What? The, in that movie, Prometheus, remember they find that giant man, like, strapped to the thing or whatever? Maybe. They're like, what does this mean? You find out through very, like, elaborate context clues that that, like, Jesus, literally that that was Jesus. The, it's like, always a, a, Jesus. A man that came down back in the Bronze Age, like, is, like, the, the one that they all tell stories about, this, like, ancient visitor Crazy. from space. Well, Jesus. Anyway, th- that's, that's a cool tidbit. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, even... we're going to talk about this show, Avatar, again. We got lost in the sauce. No, what I'm saying now, though, is, like, you go to what, you know, you and Ray were both talking about. There is a lot of shows and, like, now that we could just go online. Mm-hmm. As and long as your show just... is popular. I, yeah. I still wish that I could find reaction videos of TMNT 2012. But <laughs> I, I can't oh, get into that movie. right now. That's a great movie. Add it to the wish list. <laughs> um, I feel like we, we, we keep getting, like, trapped in the Lotus Hotel. Okay. We're like... We're, we're, we keep trying to... Okay, we're going to talk about so, Avatar so, now. <laughs> spin off into some other thing. L- let me talk about by. Avatar. Question. Do you guys watch the recaps? Um, I do sometimes. But I don't... I, I, we've talked about the recaps. I don't necessarily like them. We mean like me the... neither. They the do last really time on Avatar. Of, yeah. yeah. Well, they... they frequently spoil this time i can That's forgive it because I, I, yeah I said this. like what i don't like about the the like recaps is so often 
there will be like a cool surprise reveal of a character from like two seasons ago or something. Exactly. And then we'll get like in the in the in the previously on, we'll get like a scene with this character, and we're like, "Fuck! Uh, all right, I guess we're gonna <laughs> yes. see him again. I guess when when is he gonna show up to surprise us? Oh, so surprised! I hate it. I don't like it. I don't like it. Uh, I think show, TV needs to trust us to keep track of it more. But I can understand why they wouldn't have when this show was coming out and sure. when little, like, well, no, the, the you know, 12-year-old me or whatever. I think they were added, weren't they? By Netflix. Yeah, that is something that Time Lord Iroh, one of our good friends and listeners, uh, has pointed out. I don't think that, yeah, the previously ons were around when it first aired. I... They, I remember. Do you them remember them? Being there, but I they, maybe it's like a Berenstain Bears also, thing. Like. Also, also, uh, I didn't watch it on Netflix. I did steal it from the internet. Okay. Oh wow! <laughs> so I'll I could have watch to, it on my computer. I'll have to edit that out because the FBI is going to be. Oh yeah, after you're, you. you're like a, down on me. Yeah. You're um, you're Katara. It's like stealing the water scroll from these pirates. <laughs> Yeah, I still saw the previously on, so I think that those are native to the episodes, but... Pirating content is more like if you took the water scroll, but, like, a copy of it was still there. (laughs) It's still fine. I I sat down, and I drew all the pictures off the water scroll to make my own water scroll, (laughs) and I'm like, what can you do about this? And then then he was like, you're stealing it from me! I anyway. I think that uh, in this case you just you do what you can, and also there are probably some types of recaps when the show was coming out on TV because again their like episodes would have been like all out of order. People would like who have not been necessarily seen the previous episode needing some context. There may have been some type of recap, but I think these ones that we see on Netflix like. I'm not sure if they're new or what have you. I don't think they're they were on the DVDs that came Plus, out. Plus, like prestige prestige television, like we know it's going to be sequential. It's going to follow yeah. a plot, well, and and like when like Friday like Friday or whatever rolls around, you're like, oh, it's so and so night. It's time to watch the so and so show. Like everybody gathers around the TV and we all watch it. But like Nickelodeon had this all of their content at the time was these were these like episodic like slice of life cartoons. So it probably didn't have that culture of like, oh, let's all gather around and watch the new Hey Arnold. Like, <laughs> and I like know that Avatar did for a lot of people. They would mm-hmm. sit down and watch it, but not my family, obviously. And I know that there are probably tons of kids who saw the finale who had not been keeping up. So my it makes grace. sense. The irony with Netflix is that if they're adding in previously ons, that's like the one scenario in which you would never you need don't that. Need them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's literally like a, a a show where you like they take them out of shows that they add to Netflix because <laughs> like they don't need them. Why are they adding it anyway? Uh, uh, yeah, my saving so grace, uh, my all saving that I have grace. to say about this recap is it's ridiculously long, but I I can forgive it in this situation because yeah. it's going for this whole finale. So sure, and it's not like we just had you know the episode before this that was a recap episode, you know. <laughs> Of the entire yeah, series. Yeah. And they then just... they show in the recap parts of the recap episode. It's a recap within a recap. Oh my god. They like they just play for the re- like previously on, and then they just play the entire Umbrellan episode and then the, <laughs> this episode. No, yeah, this is so this is the beginning of the end. It's a big deal. Uh oh, I wanted to say before that my saving grace was always marathon. When Nickelodeon would do like a we're gonna mm. we we're too lazy to think of what to put on on a Friday afternoon, so 
fuck it, Avatar for four hours. And I'd you- be like, hell yeah, I'm not doing anything for the next four. My butt's going to get real comfy. <laughs> so yeah, this is the big, the big, the big kahuna, the beginning of the end. It's uh, Avatar. Book three, Fire, chapter 18, Sozin's Comment, part one, The Phoenix King. That is a monster of a title. <laughs> I know. I can cut out that phi and you'll sound like you you're said it. You said it perfectly. What? Oh, sounds, sounds I said the phi Phoenix King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said what, the phi. Whatever. It was. I'm going to cut out that and this. Or I might leave this so that the audience is just confused and bound. <laughs> that I'll was one right take. You know, I'm not as flawless as Taylor or Charlie. Uh, Ray, I'm not sure if you have this talent as well where you can just like record everything on the first take and it sounds amazing. Like Fuck I no, want to stutter. <laughs> I want to dispel something right now. I never edit this show. It's always one take. <laughs> we're just that good. <laughs> we we we're we're a super raw. Um, That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um Incredible. I like you know how like shows will have like b- behind the like scenes or like <laughs> you know for RuPaul's Drag Race they used to have a uh, uh, like the show like Untucked where they would like have behind the scenes clips of things that happened throughout the episode like I don't know like what would the behind the scenes for Avatar be <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Avatar behind the legend. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, Avatar, the last scene bender. <laughs> um. So, do you have the um? I do. Synopsis open. I do. Why don't you hit us with that synopsis? Yeah, our good friends over at Avatar Wiki. Aang prepares himself to fight Fire Lord Ozai, but has difficulty deciding how to defeat him without taking his life. His friends push him, urging him to kill the Fire Lord but Aang insists it goes against his beliefs. In his sleep, Aang is drawn toward a mysterious island that appears suddenly in the sea. His friends find June, the bounty hunter, to attempt to locate him again. Firelord Ozai crowns himself Phoenix King, and Aang awakens on the unknown island, now in the middle of the sea. So, yeah, big... Even though there's four episodes left, like this is one part one of four, of the Sozin's Comet series, which uh, aired, I believe, is like just one final episode. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It did, yeah. So it's interesting, though, that we still have like the part one, part two, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, if you go on Netflix, it still is just like one like hour and like twenty some change, like like one well, that's, Avatar movie. They, I think they they broke it up for commercials. And so it was just easier probably to break it into four episode like length segments yeah. rather than, you know. Right. I, I, even though it all aired as one, I would still consider them separate episodes, but yeah. I, I could see why you wouldn't really. Yeah. Like for me, it's, it's like, we've had this and we've had this huge, very like Joseph Campbell-esque like hero's journey up to this point. And now that we're in the final four episodes, it's almost like we get like a whole mini hero's journey, like within this last segment of the of the story. Mm. And we even get like a refusal of the call, right? When Aang is like, oh, I can't do it. Oh, no, I can't do it. <laughs> um, but I want to start where things start. 
and begin where things begin, and that is uh, at the beginning. So <laughs> we have this like cool little sandcastle contest that I need to talk about for a second. Yeah, we finally like, get a trip to the beach where yeah, it's yeah, we get all it, we, of the ang, all of the gang. We're all we get this very dramatic like previously on, and then it's like all right, everything is at stake. It's now or never. The war is coming. Like the final episodes are here. And then Aang's like, hey, let's fuck off to the beach for a while. And like, Woo, party! Let's yeah. have a beach episode. Let's go to the and beach, like, beach, let's get away. Say, say what they gotta say. It's like an excuse for all of the most like pervy artists at the anime studio to draw everyone in like bikinis and stuff. It's the beach episode, you know. <sighs> yeah. They deserve this. They really do. Um... But then we learned that the the communication there's a communication breakdown here, and apparently the gang. Well, hold on a second. I got to talk about Toff's. Like, so Toff makes bird. Look, see <laughs> treats. I'm bribing you. Don't make me regret it. Toff makes this entire like bossing say that is immaculately detailed i don't know how she does this like what yeah the same- uh, how fine-tuned is sandbending that it can just <laughs> i will say this so we i mean toff does make the statement oh i've been practicing my sandbending because if mm-hmm. we remember before the opera drought at the end of the library uh, we unfortunately get the start of work at Appa is kidnapped and a top standing guard outside could do nothing to stop it because her feet can't sense as well on sand. She's obviously uh, made up to compensate for that so that would never ha- happen again. Uh, overcompensated, in my opinion, because the, the sand castle that she replicates is amazing. But I will say that I think it's also maybe easier to sculpt because... It's on the beach. In the deeper you dig down on the beach, like I was like, gonna say, yeah, the wet sand. Closer to the water, yeah, it's like the wet is, sand like, solid. compacts. Mm-hmm. Like that yeah, sandcastle making one of one man. You gotta go yeah, to, like yeah. and get that that wet sand that like then dries and like is almost like cement. Yeah, yeah. Beach sand and desert sand are two entirely different beasts. You are, but- <laughs> yeah, and it even depends then- on like what kind of beach they're on right like it might not even like be like real sand but here in this case i think it's there's palm trees and shit so so this is probably some pretty fine sand but if you dig yeah down a little bit you can probably and then we, get it more compact we get sock we cut over to Sokka, and Sokka's trying to launch his new nft project his <laughs> sand slugs okay just you gotta act now get a $3,000 sand slug, and you can turn it for 5k in just a few days, I promise. Yeah, Sokka and called Sokka Suki. would get into NFTs with me. <laughs> <laughs> He's like Jesse. Sokka's like Jesse with the magic harp. He's just like, don't worry, this is an investment, guys. I know a thing Katar is an astrology girl, and Sokka's an NFT bro. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and Aang thinks the earth is flat. <laughs> oh my god. They, we need just like a picture of this now, and they're, and they're and Toph is just, uh, Toph is like I feel like a software engineer bro, but like ev- does everything in AutoCAD is like a, a some type of like you know uh, an architecture. Uh, yeah, she engineer. It's like three D printing. She's like the the blind YouTuber that like. Like, it gets into building wacky robots with her, like, metal bending and stuff. Oh, fuck yeah. Like, uh, she, like, is, like, a Michael Reeves of sorts. That's yeah. That's her. <laughs> Great. 
now we need to just uh, like draw all of this. <laughs> so <laughs> they're all having somewhere. a grand. They're all having a grand time, and then Zuko just jumps Aang. What the <laughs> fuck? Um. What I love about this is that not a single person acts like this is an emergency. Zuko yeah, has right. gone off the deep end and is fire bending at Aang, and everyone's just like, "Bro." It's like it's like you're Zuko's ruining our character. vacation, bitch. Don't, beach don't kill my vibe. It's like Zuko's characters or Zuko's player showed up to the session like on ketamine and then just like started a <laughs> PvP encounter for no reason. And the DM's like, uh, all right, I, I guess roll. What, what do you wait? What are you doing? Wait, stop! He's like, I'm gonna roll to attack Ang. Fuck, do what the fuck do. And the other guys are like, are we in the initiative order? I don't, I don't. <laughs> Zuko's like, y'all been having this stupid roleplay sesh for the past two hours, okay? I want to fight something. Like, this is not a LARP, you guys. We need to actually talk about, like, why, uh... I've been sitting here watching y'all draw sandcastles in your fucking sketch pads for the past hour. I'm sick of this. <laughs> I want to play D&D. I will say, like, one final comment on the sandcastle building and uh, with Toph's you know, almost building Bossing by say. building a reconstruction of Bossing Say. Uh, we get a little mini Earth King with Bosca the Bear. Love mm-hmm. that. But also, uh-huh. it reminds I'm, I'm reading a book um, and have read a book. I'm rereading it with my mom called All the Light We Cannot See. Uh, it was a, a really big book back in like 2020 or 2019 when it first came out. Uh, and uh, maybe even longer than that. Anyways, um, and there's it's about a um one of the characters is blind and her uncle creates like a scale model of the village that they live in in like the coast of France and all the buildings are to scale and all the streets so she is able to navigate this town by ha- like literally feeling every single model in this like just just steady chills in their attic um and it just was really interesting to kind of see all these buildings and i wish we could got to see a little bit more detail on them but yeah yeah that's super fascinating now that you say it like that it actually almost makes more sense to me that like without uh, unnecessary visual sensory information that she might have a better memory for like building layouts Mm. and that kind of thing that she's been sensing yeah, for sure. And this actually came up when Zach and I were watching the episode and he's like, how does she have like like that much attention for detail? There's no way like, this how can- much how much micro bending is required to produce <laughs> such an like elaborate okay. sculpture. The bending obviously top <laughs> world's greatest earthbender, right. the inventor of metal bending is great at also, this. Also, this but- <laughs> ability would have been very useful when they needed like a map of Bossing Say to search for <laughs> Appa, like what like it seems like a- she's been working on her sand bending. Like I can oh, also right, think okay, that, sorry. like I don't know. I think doing this out of Earth would be really difficult. I think sand is mm. like malleable enough, and like you, you know, you usually build things out of sand. Uh, a also, wild this would, cat has appeared. This would cement Toph as the best DM ever. She just oh hell yeah. There's my encounter. Here, let's go. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is amazing. Like forget like three D printing. Just like pieces to like use on the side. No, she just like creates the map there in real time. She just has like a like a sand table that she just like creates all the encounters on. That's Amazing. Awesome. Well, I was oh, and I'll end this thought by saying I think the reason that Toph does have such like a mind memory of this city is because she did grow up in Bossing Say. Her family 
would she would i don't know if it was her entire childhood or if just parts of uh the year like they would go between like the uh um what's her last name Beifong, the Beifong estate and bossing say but she being blind and having to learn to navigate this city probably had to have this level of memory of it just in order to mm. be able mm. to navigate <laughs> um but anyways i think that was a nice detail so uh and poor Sokka. <laughs> yeah. Uh and then but then he like gives Suki this really cute and wholesome kiss on the cheek and Yeah, really he, sweet. he makes up for it, isn't it? They're they're too cute and I kinda hate it. Mm. Uh but you know, they deserve each other. Um uh, yeah, so then Zuko goes off and uh <laughs> yeah, you yeah. guys remember when Katara was like, Hey, if you threaten Aang, I will murder you. <laughs> Things have sure changed, huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> Katara's like, what the fuck, bro? Instead of being like, putting Zuko down immediately. Um, the, it gives the Zutara fans, like, something to point to to be like, see? See? Like, <laughs> she's not immediately standing up for Aang, and then, oh, what what, what be it? Like, then when Aang uh, is rightly confronted about his not plan to go after the fire lord and gets all emotional with this weight that he has to carry as the avatar uh which he he goes off and like has to deal like with it um or wants to deal with it like on on his own and katara immediately wants to follow him um and it it kind of reminds me of in the last episode with ember island when katara just like went off on her own and her and ang were having a conversation and you're talking about their feelings for each other and how she just was confused and needed to wait and, you know, Aang's immediately thing is just to, like, just still to go in for it and, like, you know, help her figure things out. Like, they are just so, when it comes to each other, like, so in their emotions, like, brash and forward. And, like, they just don't think they're, like, you know, when they clearly, like, want to communicate, like, hey, I need to be alone. They need to come in and be, like, the thought of this other person being in pain or, like, there being any conflict, like, I need to immediately, like, solve it in some kind of way. For Aang, it's more mm. so, like, Obviously, his feelings for Katara, but in other general senses, encounters like his role as the Avatar and that uh, what he has to do as a protector. And for Katara, it's like the protector of feelings and her friends and like standing well, up for what she feels is right. So Aang, Aang says something here that is very sensible. And it's something that I honestly would have considered in his position of, uh, as a matter of course. Why not wait until after the moment of power? He says, like, we, I just, we decided that I'm going to fight the Fire Lord after Susan's Comet. I'll just, we'll just let it pass. And then once it's over, the, the Fire Lord will be normal power again. And Zuko's like, oh man, do I have some bad news for you? And y'all, <laughs> right. you should have told me about this before because we really cut should've. to this, we cut to this like war scene, this war room meeting. Where the, the Fire Lord is just fucking unhinged. He is just like, yeah, like, Azula's like, hey, what if we just did a genocide? And he just like, like, like his eyes glint, like they light up. He's like, oh, a genocide, you say? <laughs> Don't mind if I do. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, Sozin already did a genocide with this comet once. We, we mm -hmm. know about that. But I feel like Sozin was so desperate like especially at the end of his life when we see him and like him letting roku die and then you know he has to get rid of the avatar but uh 
our current Fire Lord, Ozai, he just seems vindictive. Like, he's so fucking evil in this scene. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very different vibe. (laughs) He's like Kylo Ren trying to, like, draw the evil out of Darth Vader's mask. And Azula also is, like, cartoonishly evil. Cartoonishly malicious. And she's looking at her father for approval while she's doing that, and she gets it immediately. Yeah. Um, I and it's I think for her, like it's just lashing out and she's like, Oh, what can I do that's gonna draw the most attention? And versus it being, you know, self-deprecating or uh uh masochistic, uh <clears throat> she is a sadist and a psychopath and wants to do it to other people. But like that was, you know, what her father was trying to accomplish. That's what she she knew. So it was on just you know, a mass scale. Um it's just um, mind-boggling to think that this is a, what, like, a 15-year-old thinking of these thoughts? Yeah. Well, it's, she knows, there. there's a lot of really interesting Azula stuff to come, but also in this episode, uh, she knows that her father's love is conditional, and that she knows the way to get approval, she acts on it, and it comes back to her, just like she wanted it to. Zuko, on the other hand has never been able to act that way. And it has, you know, quite literally burned him. Um, the, the, the bullshit. Okay. Zuko literally says, um, I wanted to speak out against this horrifying plan, but I'm ashamed to say I didn't. Son, no one's blaming you. We know what happened last time. Like, right. (laughs) Oh my God. It's not like your dad would have been like, Oh, my son raises a good point. That would be unethical. <laughs> I'm realizing this just now. Yeah. Uh, the last time that you tried to stand up to dad in a war meeting is Yeah, see. literally reliving his trauma yeah. right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh it was about survival, my guy. We completely understand why you did not say anything. <laughs> but it's also really interesting like, to me that uh Zuko told us about this war meeting. Like this is the episode when he was like deciding that he was going to leave the Fire Nation, but we never saw the meeting before. They kind of held it off until now, which I just think is a really interesting, like, pacing decision. Oh, it was so smart. It was so <laughs> smart to drop this now. Because, like, otherwise, we, you know... Right. When, when Aang said that, like, oh, I, I figured I'd fight the Fire Lord after the Sozin's Comet, I think we as the audience, like, almost, like, exhale a bit. Like, hey, oh, maybe we'll get, like, an episode or two of... Hanging out and stuff before like, the big battle <laughs> happens and then Zuka has to bring the hammer down. You're kind of like, like, oh, that never occurred to me. Yeah, you could do that. Yeah, it's crazy how like they're in the meeting and Azula's like, uh, Azula's like, I know, let's go scorched earth. And the Fire Lord's <laughs> like, oh, you know, like, like, I get it. Like, we should be aggressive. We should, like, just leave no stone unturned. And Azula's like, no, I mean, we should scorch the earth. <laughs> let's just scorch it all. <sighs> <sighs> So we we'll, we'll we'll cut back to Azula when we do the 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 Phoenix right King the Phoenix King scene later. Sure, on. I've I got think... things to say about that. Well, yeah. yeah, but wait, <laughs> we cut back to the gang, and um, you know, once Ang kind of uh like uh you know before he goes off, um, you know, they realize that they need to do some training, and yeah, yeah, yeah. this is where we get like a little. Uh, we get our training montage here, and uh, <laughs> Toph decides to be 
the greatest DM by yeah, being the, the Melon Lord. Top like grabs the DM screen and the DM is like, "Fine, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go play the new Metroid Prime H, like HD remaster. I'll be I'll be with you later on." And Top is like, "Fuck yeah, I'm the Melon Lord." And we're like, "The party is like, it's called the DM." And she's like, "Shut up, it's the Melon Lord now." <laughs> it's so iconic of her. I my world, so my rules. She's like, "Guess what? The big bad evil guy now is the Melon Lord." <laughs> BBEG. Uh, well, we get it's, and there's just so many examples throughout the episode of where they cannot see the word kill, right? So, <laughs> like, Ozai is just like, oh, when he's going off on his uh, world ending supervillain rant, uh, I'm going to take over Z World. Uh, he mentions, oh, I'm going to permanently end, like, all of these people, and I will be... I'm going to end the Earth Nation. Yeah. I'm um... going to, like, it's like that scene from uh, Emperor's New Groove, where he's like, it's like, she's like, we're, you're being part of a permanent outplacement. Yeah, but... You're, we're going in a different direction, we're, we're viewing better options. <laughs> um, I do want to just mention, because I think that it's very interesting in that scene where uh specifically where Zuko says like they have something to hope for. And then that is what Ozai and Azula attach to and they're like, yes, we have to use that hope against them and squelch it out of them and like go like completely scorched earth. Um and that is what during the Serpent's Pass when uh episode when they Aang were like passing around because they couldn't take the direct path through into Bossing say like the baby that was born at the end of that episode, he does decide to name Hope. And um so that I think is a theme that, you know, runs throughout the series and is co- is coming back here. Uh and, you know, that's something that they they are right. Hope is something that has been able to like uh sustain the Earth Kingdom. Like and we've seen it so many times through uh, Haru and like them them being in his people being in yeah prisons. that's what I was thinking about mm-hmm. when you were saying that uh, the prison episode and how they did break the people's spirit but they, uh, they were able to bring it back and how important yeah, they, that was they, they rolled they rolled a, a high diplomacy check on their uh, <laughs> their little like speech and it, and it won the crowd over yeah so now not- the, yeah you're right about the hope theme it's it's very like Star Warsy almost. <laughs> where it's like ah in the face of certain defeat like hope will like rule the day right and... it's like for the rebels and like any cause like mm-hmm. and like so and that is what does give people the edge like when you're in a war and you're on the defense and you're on your home turf and you have like you're literally against the corner and you have to fight for your life it's about survival uh and these people are coming and t- taking and killing you for just being for existing uh, that is the, the, the power when, that that wins wars, and so literally, I think what? The, what when the other side has taken everything from you, you have nothing left to lose. Yeah, exactly. And so I that that's why I think you know. So o- Ozai, in his madness, in his um, just overall like just mad, right for power, has to. He knows that the only way that that will work is by just doing a scorched earth campaign um and uh we've seen plenty of examples throughout history that we don't need to go into but i just think that it's really interesting here what the writers did and just taking hope and kind of flipping that and turning it into something that 
on one side is used as their biggest asset and strength and uh how the enemy is now trying to turn that against them it's the classic superhero like you're your greatest weakness like oh you can't know your friends and family because they'll come after them and like a hero Uh can never like let the people that he loves die because of well we talk about this with ang right like his his guru saying like you need to let go of your connections or they will use them against you they will become your true weakness, truest weakness. Yeah, that's not foreshadowing or anything. Well, and it's, I think, um, I mean, they say the same thing about Percy in Titan's Curse, if I remember correctly. They're like, who is it? Mm-hmm. One of the gods at the Olympus party is like, yo, it's your, it's your one, it's your fatal weakness. Is, is your- loyalty, yeah, specifically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well... I mean, and as they're as they're training, I think the stakes are really laid out here when Aang is just like, oh, we're gonna just, you know, it's okay, like, whatever. And it, as Zuko is training him to redirect lightning and tries to say, you know, when you go to face the Fire Lord, this is how you're going to have to face him. This is like his greatest weapon that he will use against you. Uh, and he's like, well, you know, worst comes to worst. And like, they're will always be Katara and like magic healing water. And Katara's like, nah, son, I used it all. Uh, and so like the fact where Aang is now <laughs> having to face not only his own mortality, but finally having to take the life of another, like Aang's a vegetarian. He almost, I would say <laughs> vegan. Like he doesn't even wear, I actually saw this somewhere where like, if you look at the uniforms of the air nomads and just what the costumes are that Aang wears throughout the different seasons. They're all cloth based. Like none of them, like he, like, whereas even when he is in the Northern water tribe, like he doesn't wear any of like, he doesn't have a water tribe uniform, like ever, whenever he goes to visit them. Uh, and he doesn't have like furs or anything. No, no, no yeah. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah it reminds me like a druid mm-hmm. who like, is not going to wear like any metals or any heavy armor that could like you know diminish their power or their connection with the earth so i thought that was an interesting choice but yeah ang's now having to face his mortality and the mortality of taking somebody else's yeah ang is like ang is like you know zuko's like and then it's you know or it's all over and ang's like well i mean not over over right you mean like ended or like brought to a close or like they taken say the care word kill of sometimes they just <laughs> have to save it like a pg-13 movie with their fuck yeah, <laughs> Aang, yeah i have exactly one, one fuck to give <laughs> i have exactly one kill to give and it's to fire lord ozai <laughs> i mean okay. yeah go ahead Oh, uh, there's a little bit of analysis about lightning bending that I've heard before, and I'm wondering if you guys have come across this, which is that uh, the lightning in the uh, Fire Nation royal family is a metaphor for, like, their abuse. Ooh. And the contr- so, like, the fact that Iroh learns how to let that pass through him without hurting him, and then passes that knowledge on to Zuko, and then Zuko passes that on to Aang before he faces his father, and, like the symbolic nature of I like that. it. And- yeah. I think it stands. I like that. And it's very powerful because uh, he is Iroh and doing so and changing, you know, going out and A, learning the technique from a waterbender, which is the opposite of fire and was something mm-hmm. that was probably illegal for them to do, like firebenders learning how to waterbend or 
vice versa, water benders teaching a firebender some of their tricks or what have you. Stances like, and stuff. It's, yeah, it's certainly their- against the Fire Nation's current culture of like superiority. One hundred percent. Their ideology is that the other nations don't have anything to teach them. They have to spread mm-hmm. their culture because it's better. Yeah, I feel like right. it's almost like a very pure blood, like Joanne approach to things where, like, <laughs> oh, the lesser bending styles are below us. And, like, like they, that's what they want to do. They want to exterminate all of the other forms of bending yeah, and they're... have only fire bending as, like, uh, the fire nation is Slytherin. We get it. Yeah. <laughs> um,. Um, but I, well, I think also he's able to, Iroh is able to say, then take the lightning and redirect it. It's not only harming him, but he is taking that, his abuse and like turning it back against his abusers and saying, yeah, you do not have his own power. Yeah. Exactly. Mm, saying yeah. You don't have Very that power so. over me. Cause that's ultimately what abuse is. And especially in like, you know, relationships that are mentally or emotionally abusive where like someone may not have to hit you they just have that you know power what? and that control and like that manipulation just through like the words and the threats well you know what else supports this read is that it has to pass through the heart mm-hmm, they talk exactly. about how the li- the lightning has to pass through the heart yeah. um have you ever seen hunter hunter ray no sorry uh so, <laughs> teddy, teddy loves it but there's a character uh named Kilowa who develops uh, electric powers he's able to develop these electric powers because he was like basically tortured by his family Mm. uh with electricity which is like like the the instructor sees how he can like utilize electricity and he's horrified because he's like oh my god for this child to be this good with lightning he must have had to be shocked like loads of times Mm. um and so, in that show, I think electricity is also like a, a, a metaphor for abuse. Really good. That's a that's a really great take. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um. And then it's just, but I think that if they had choose chose to use their one kill here, where it could have given the just even backed up that gravity of we haven't heard it the entire series, and now well, Zuko is having to say. You have to kill my father. That's yeah. All. You have to take I, the fire lord's life. I think that they Fire do lord's say life. that at some point. They in do. This episode is Zuko yeah. says you have to. You will have to take the fire lord's life. Yeah, he doesn't say kill specifically, but he says but you I have to, to take, take his life. Take the life. That's that's pretty direct too. Yeah, I think that's fairly direct. That's as direct as they've been so far. Sure. <laughs> and it's like that. There's that Mitchell and Webb like bit. That I think I referenced earlier where like the the the, the henchman. The like evil villain is like I want him taken care of, or like he says, like <laughs> it would be. And so the one of the henchmen is like, so just to be clear, you mean to kill him, right? He's like, Shh, be quiet. It's like oh, I just you know I'm saying I'm a- I'm asking to clarify because you remember Phillips how you you said you it would be great if something if he were to have an accident. So we waited around for six months for him to have an accident, only to find out that you wanted us to kill him from the start. So do you want him dead or not? Like, it's a great bit, and it's what I think of every single time they skirt around using the word death. Well, I mean, it also begs the question, at this point, Aang, has Aang... I don't think Aang has directly killed anybody. I mean, in the Avatar Um, state, or in, like, a... in, In battle, he may have killed people indirectly, but he personally has not taken the individual life with the, like, premeditated intent, like, I am going to face and kill this person. As far as I'm aware, we see Aang intentionally take the life of one other being 
throughout the series, and that is the vulture wasp right after he lost Appa. Oh, <laughs> yeah. shit. You're right. But and, like, like, that was, like, he was actually that. Like, his darkest fucking moment. <laughs> yeah, he was really upset by that. <laughs> now he took the- Like, uh, you look you know. at- you look at the the stuff that they've done, though, and, like, Aang has brought down, like, whole airships, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and he has, like, turned into a giant ocean monster and stomped around. Somebody died. Probably he was, like, barely conscious for that one. Somebody. That's not his fault. There is an ocean yeah. spirit, but, <laughs> but yes. Aang uh, has probably taken lives before, let's be real. <laughs> But I think crucially what it, what this gets at is he has not entered any interaction with the express mm-hmm. intention of killing someone. And that is probably the difference that, that, that matters. Yeah. And it go ahead, Ray. Oh, um Aang's insistence on pacifism, this doesn't have anything to do with really even with the Fire Lord. Like, you know, they show the baby po- portrait and, you know, he's like, that's a person. But it's it's not about him. It's about Aang and it's about yeah. his culture. This is an inherently selfish desire of his. He doesn't want to give up this thing that's important to him that's like one of the few things he has left after everyone fucking died. Yeah. <laughs> and You're like, Aang... Listen, Aang, I'm sorry. You can't buy the new Wizarding game. I know you really, really want to, but you can't do it. We're asking you to do just this one thing. I know it's hard. You can't buy the new Wizard game. Except... I know you want a Skyrim of Hogwarts. But instead of... Uh, <laughs> instead of uh, transphobia, the thing that he cares about is, you know, the people he loved who got genocided. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I will say for this is like, and Aang does say at some point, like this is a goes against everything I know. And Mm -hmm. his friends are able to make so light of it. Like uh, Sokka comes up and just like literally takes uh, after like the training and he gets his chance. He like, they walk through, like they run through the thing perfectly. They get all of their practice roles. Great. And like, they get to the end of the, like, you know, Dungeon Run and Aang goes to, like, slice off the head of Melon Lord and he can't do it. Can't do it. Sokka is able to just, and just comes up and br- so brutal, savage, just takes his <laughs> his meteor sword and just cuts it and is just like, Fruit Ninja, that's how you fucking do it. And we know and that Sokka- starts eating his brain. Sokka has- Sokka can't go into the Avatar state. Sokka can't <laughs> bend. Like, for Sokka, as a warrior, he's definitely killed people, especially yeah. probably in, like, the lead-up to that invasion where Aang's job was to just go and confront Fire Lord Ozai. Like, Sokka and his father and all of the other people on the front lines, like, they definitely had to have killed some Fire Nation people. And, like, but for him, that's what you have to do, and it's, like, part of war, and, like, I, I mean, I'm not going to go into the ethics of that, you know, Aang as a pacifist in like him being an air monk like an ev- a nomad everything coming together and how that conflicts with his role as the avatar and i wish we got to see more of that or like I, one thing that i'm interested in seeing in the fce novel um dawn of yang chen is if that's something that yang chen has to contend with as well is mm-hmm. like that balance between being the air an air nomad and the avatar that calling where sometimes you may have to do something larger where you know it, I'm not going to say it's a trolley problem, but like you're, you may have to, you know, it, engage in warfare, and you go go against that pacifist. It's nature. not not a trolley problem. 
<laughs> it's a very interesting. But it's a trolley problem where everyone says we know exactly what the answer is. Yeah, but on one side of the trolley is Fire Lord Ozai, and the other side of the trolley is the entire Earth Kingdom. And but- Fire Lord Ozai is the person who tied all of those Earth Kingdom people to the tracks. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, well, yeah, and we can and we can joke about that, and like it goes really much deeper. But I think Zach, you know, we were joking earlier about like. Or not, but you we you mentioned the the allyship and trans and uh, like with the current stuff going on with Hogwarts Legacy, and it's it brings up a good point because at, up until this point, like I'm not saying being the Avatar has been hard for Aang, right? As being like you know he has been to battle, he's like been on the front lines, he hasn't had to make yeah, it's been, decisions. It's been pressure. There's been pressure for sure, but this is like him finally having to face and be like you know if you need to if you're going to save the world you may have to to kill somebody and it might have yeah, to come, you may come have to, to go that against and go against you what may you have to compromise in. this thing you care about and when we looking at what's best for everyone exactly when you look at like you know larger social movements like i'm thinking about like nelson mandela and when he was forming and like fighting against the state and apartheid like but like he was in the his early days like and also like Malcolm X, like, everyone from the early stages was, like, very much, like, we have to fight within the confines of the system, and we have to be peaceful, and we have to demonstrate peacefully, and, um, you know, we have, like, this air of respectability that we have to do if we're just, like, that model citizen and show them that, you know, we're, we're equal, we can, um, when given the opportunity, we can become educated, we can work a job, and you know, be law-abiding citizens, and then once you finally realize, like, there comes a point in the movement where, um, you know, violence sometimes has to be an answer, um, and, you know, whether it is just, like, disrupting supply lines or doing things, and, like, you know, the the very unfortunate consequence is there may be innocent people that are harmed in that, and for some people that they're, like, that goes against everything what we're trying to fight for. We don't want to become... Mm-hmm the oppressors that we're trying to fight for. But like, this is like, I think a valid argument that, you know, violence sometimes, um, you know, not necessarily against people, but like violence as a form of um, fighting against oppression and as a way of um, protest um, is very valid um, for some movements. And And Aang is like, as the leader of this movement is now having to come to terms with you know, is he willing to use violence as an answer to violence? And I think in some situations, like in throughout periods throughout history, that has had to happen in order to get to what eventually becomes like what that piece yeah, that they were Z- looking for. Zuka Zuka kind of speaks to this when he's like, oh, yeah, I'm sure you'll show him his baby pictures and he'll come around and he'll be super nice. And he's like, oh, you really think so? Zuka's like, no, no. Yeah, that's um, right, Rory. No. When uh-uh. someone is determined to harm you, sometimes your two choices are to let them or to fight back. Yes. And yes. They they won't offer you any other choice. Yeah. Um and also to talk about Zuko for a little bit. I don't know that this is necessarily text, but I want to talk about some implications, which is that Zuko is sending this 12-year-old off to fight his dad. Zuko was 13 <laughs> last time he faced his dad, and he refused to fight. And he's telling Aang, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very true. Um, of course, their situations are kind of opposite, because I'm pretty sure that if Zuko had tried to fight his dad, his dad would have just killed him. 
I think the only reason Zuko's around is that he didn't. Aang, on the other hand, really has to. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got he's got to win. Yeah. <laughs> what's but, what's crazy is how like w- when they're all defending their decision to fight the Fire Lord after Sokka and Toph and everyone, their whole like strategy is like he's clearly not ready. I mean, look at how dumpy and like lazy he is. Like he's there's no way he could beat the Fire Lord right now. He's he would be a dead man for sure. And he's then definitely like, kill. You have to though, and they're like, oh, and they're like, oh, said I that. mean, uh, you got it, Buster. Yeah, good job. <laughs> like hell yeah, Rory agrees. You got this, man. Uh, well, and then we just decide to, like, you know, when Zuko mentions there's this, there's three days until the comet, which means if they have to attack before the comet, not while it's happening, so they're, like, the powers don't come into fruition, and uh, so that means they have two days to work with, and he, they're out here, like, slugging through, and then, like, deciding what their game plan is, and I'm like, my guys, this two days out... And, like, we're thinking cramming for the final exam is, like, (laughs) gonna make a difference here. Listen, guys, the wedding is on Sunday. Thursday is not the time to send out the invitations, all right? I'm sorry. (laughs) It's not gonna happen. Uh, So, I mean, but they gotta do something, I guess. And it's just them, like, all all their other folks are, like, all their other allies are just scattered. Um, meanwhile, I don't think we have any plans or there has been zero thought given to what the <laughs> fuck we got to do with Ba Sing Se, um, mm-hmm. and the attack on the Fire Nation there. Um, so yeah, lots of things that they just decided. I mean, I'm a procrastinator. Uh, I do <laughs> do better under pressure and I like to think of myself as a diamond, you know, great things come out of that. However, that can also be very toxic. And in this case, I don't think procrastinating and cramming to the last minute is going to get you like, uh, is going to help you pass the the final. And at this point, their one plan is, well, we'll all fight the Fire Lord and it'll be okay. And as we all know, that's not really what goes down. And then we get our like, our, uh, what's it called? Our Captain Planet montage where it's like, Earth, Air, Wind, Fire, heart, and together we are Captain Planet! Fan and sword. <laughs> Fan and sword, Fan yeah, sword. right. And then, like... <laughs> yeah, so, so, I mean, that's how it kind of was, though. Like, Captain Planet in the show, everyone had these cool Earth powers, and then, uh, or elemental powers, and then you had heart, and I felt <laughs> so bad for the heart guy. He was just like, Aww. I'm the cheerleader! I'm here for moral support! I'm, like, the standard, you know, healer of the D&D party. You'd probably go over to him and be like, hey, I'm really sorry that you got, like, the short end of the stick here. Everyone else's powers are so cool. And he's like, are you kidding me? I got heart, okay? I fuck. <laughs> God damn it. I fuck. <laughs> and People love me. Sokka is, like, hanging up this really cool, like, palm leaf fan. Is like, I'm a sword. And uh, Suki's got her fan. And, like, that just flops. And it's like, see, look, they, they said it without saying it. Like, Sokka is arguably the heart of the gang. And so even it's like, all right, we know you're this, the, the guy with the plan. The cheerleader, all of that. You're you're truly the heart. Um, but I think we're gonna need a little more than that if we're going to kill the Fire Lord. Sokka's got a lot to offer, like cutting off dudes' heads and stuff. They're like, <laughs> I know. Let's have a training session where uh, Toph hurls giant flaming boulders at us, potentially <laughs> injuring us before our big battle. <laughs> 
Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's like when someone, like like Alex said, it's so when someone crams training before a marathon and like pulls something. It's like I was afraid that was going to happen. This is why in like sports, like when it's they're playing and it's right before like the big championship game. Like you're already in the championship game. Like you don't want to like play your best players. You're playing the bench. You're playing your backup guys. You're letting them, but your starting lineup, you know, you they cannot get injured. You have to keep them in rotation for the actual like game time. So we uh, get this scene where Aang is meditating after he's got to figure his things out on his own. Process and understandable. He uh, sees this giant floating, like, mountainous island off the coast, and then just, like, sort of, like, lazily gets up, walks past Momo, like, swims out to it. I think we see Momo, like, land on his head or something. Walks down to the beach. I do think we see Momo go with him. Momo does go with him. Before before he goes down to the beach, though, and, like, sees this just giant island of trees up here in the water... I love how we get this little cat like scene. I feel like I want this in a lo-fi channel where Aang just sitting there meditating and Momo oh, shows that's up. That's a great idea. And then just like rolls around in different Aang's like just, cat like, petting positions. Momo. Yeah. It's... <laughs> uh. That'd okay. be a sweet lo-fi channel. So during uh the when he's like going off, there's this chanting in the background, and I was like, I wonder if that's something. So I looked it up and it is sort of uh, it's a traditional Buddhist chant, which you know, uh, Buddhist monks as an alleg- as a like cultural relationship with the air nomads. The air nomads it's a whole yeah, thing. So. so, like, yeah, this really is about Aang's culture. It's it's about him, you mm-hmm. know, learning how he can preserve some of that. Yeah, um, I think that's a really good tidbit. Thank you for sharing that. And yeah, it's um, like I want when I watch this. I was like, this music is intense. You know shit's going down, but you don't know what's going down. And it's just like a whole lot. <laughs> so, yeah, like, and then the Aang is just like gone. That is the last we see of it. We don't even get the lion turtle reveal this episode. Like Mm-mm. we have to just, it's just a floating island. If you're watching the show for the first time and you have no idea what's going on, you're just like, oh, that's uh, an, an island. And yeah. now, uh, now it's uh, gone. Aang uh, waking right. up is the last scene, and then I'm just imagining, like, the cut to commercial, and then you have to wait for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, because the, they aired them all at once, so yeah, yeah, yeah you but you just really there. have to. <laughs> but I can't imagine, like, waiting four weeks for this whole thing to play out. Yeah. Oh, man. Guess what? Our audience is going to have to wait at least two weeks between. I say least, because well, we might miss a week. We don't know. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> But you wake up and the gang is ready to pack up. They're on their way. They are just, I don't know where their next stop is, their journey, uh, as they get closer well, to I the fire. I think they were headed off to go murder a man. I yeah. Think. Okay. That's all that they have. <laughs> all right. It's murdering time. So they're about we, to we commit play a murder. The, we play the It's Always Sunny theme. The gang goes to murder a man. <laughs> And they go to find Aang, and they're, like, literally about to get on op, and they're like, let's go, and they're like, wait, where's Aang? They realize he's missing, and then we get a little, like, knives out kind of murder mystery. Yeah, yeah. They all, like, they can't find him, he's in his room, they realize his glider is still there, they walk down to the beach at the suggestion of Zuko, and, 
I really wish this is the one callback that we miss. And I feel it's a totally missed opportunity after all of the callbacks like we got from Ember Island, all of like the gang members that came back before the invasion of the uh, Black Sun and that jazz. But we could have totally gotten a callback to Investor Gator Sherlock Holmes Zuko with his little cap (laughs) and his like magnifying glass uh and like a wonderful like he does he goes off and does his benoit blanc uh impression and i do declare these footprints (laughs) here lead down to the ocean sea and they don't show any signs of a struggle so i'm wondering here if our man ang is on a spirit journey Hello, hello, my 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 esteemed lady. I realize you played uh, the avatar in last night's <laughs> brilliant, might I say, absolutely brilliant production of uh, uh, Fire Lord kills everyone. I guess is what it's called. Um, would you? Uh, oh, it's the boy in the iceberg. <laughs> would you happen to have seen a boy running around roughly dressed like yourself? Uh, perhaps. Yeah, they go off. They are trying to find <laughs> Aang. They'd have no idea where he is. Uh, Toph has a really disappointing field trip with Zuko. This was Toph most deserved dis- a field trip with Zuko. She deserves so much better. I was so because like Toph has been there for Zuko at every turn. She yeah, was yeah, like yeah. when he came up and showed up and was like making himself emotionally vulnerable. Is like, hey guys, I know I tried to murder you and stuff, but like you know, I'm cool now. I'm on your side, and everyone's like, no, son, you can't. Sorry, get out of here. And Toph's like, wait. <laughs> We need a firebending teacher, and he just showed up, so we should totally just, you know, like, are we really just going to turn him away if he's genuine? And then just, like, stood up for him uh, at every point throughout uh, the journey and was, like, the first of the gang to, like, kind of inherently trust him and then just gave him the best emotional pep talk at Ember Island about how he's a good guy and how Iroh is so proud of him. It's like, no, (laughs) your uncle is a good guy and you're a good guy and we're all good people and don't, like, to get down on yourself, man, and is so excited. We'll together. So excited to volunteer, like, I'm gonna be with Zuko! And, um, yeah, it's just, Zuko is just, and to see how Zuko was able to help Sokka and Katara work through all of their yeah. emotional baggage and trauma, and, like, like, you know, I get it, probably Toph had the less, uh, hard time growing up well, out no, of everyone. Because it's not about how hard of a time she anybody had. What those field trips were about was narratively, they were about people learning to trust Zuko. Yeah. Toph already trusted time. Zuko, as you just said. Yeah. So we ain't got the fucking time. I know. <laughs> I want to read, like, if anybody has a suggestion for a fanfic where uh, like... <laughs> Like a one-shot fanfic where where Toph and Zuko go on a little adventure somewhere in this little section of time. I would I've love definitely to that. seen that concept. I'll see if I can find you one. <laughs> um, so we then um, well, after that, but actually, before we go into that, I just wanted to because Ray, you part of your thing that you love about Avatar and we love talking about is fanfics and all of that. Uh, do you have any? fan fix or anything you would recommend or or like are there any fan theories about the series finale uh that may not like necessarily just like be on the wiki page well i have one i asked what momo what he should do to momo but momo is the fire lord so Aang actually has to kill Momo. Momo, Fire Lord confirmed. Fire Lord, Momo confirms. Fire Lord, Momo confirmed. Such a throwback. That's a season one joke. 
<laughs> we should get. We should make a T-shirt. Firewall memo <laughs> confirmed. Uh, uh, yeah, the fan qu- shit that I that I think about for the finale is mostly like analysis stuff, the kind of stuff that we've been talking about yeah. that would take too long to try to get yeah. into more of it for the rest of this episode. Hello, um, future me stuff. But uh, if you want to check out like Avatar fan fiction things, um, something that I adore looking into and that there's a lot of is like um, shortly after the series, uh, Zuko being Fire Lord yeah. and like the transition into that and um, mostly like palace staff reactions to him and how they're like, oh, I see he's not fucking crazy. This is so much yeah. better. Um, there's quite a few of those that are uh, pretty well-renowned. So uh, if you want some specific recommendations, I could probably yeah. give you some links and Shh. drop please, some of those around. Please share, and then we'll put those in the show notes. So check those out. Thank you. And I think, yeah, uh, Fire Lord Momo and just Fire Lord <laughs> Zuko, and now we're going to get the, a whole movie about it. So that's going to yeah. be pretty cool. Uh, so the murder mystery does not is a foot. Yeah, it's it's a dud, and unfortunately, it's a dud. Yeah, and so <laughs> Toph and Zuko that little field trip. We get thirty seconds. Toph tries to sh- share. Toph is is treating Zuko like her therapist. <laughs> she may as well be like reclined in a chair. Like Sokka, Zuko should have borrowed Sokka's like like beard beardo mascot disguise. Oh, where he's talking to Aang about his problems. Uh, you could totally tell that Toph was ready for this moment because she just like had it all stored up. She's like, okay, I'm alone with Zuko. I listened to his problems, and I, like all the other people got their moments. So now we're gonna finally get to bond, and it's gonna be great. And then Zuko's just like, yeah, yeah, he had a lot ch- tough childhood, like tough titties. <laughs> we 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 tire sits. We don't have enough time for this. Let's go. It's so sad. <laughs> I know. They have so much in common. <laughs> I know, uh, my heart. But Zuko, like Toph's character, finally gets some alone time with Zuko's character, and the uh, the Zuko's like leans over to the DM, and he's like, "Can we just let me move this scene along, no. please? I want to get back to the rest of the party." Yeah, like, Toph's like, "But, but I wanted to." They we were having a moment. I wanted to role play. Uh, they're like, "No, we don't have time. Just with the party, let's go. Like, let's keep this on track. Yeah. Like, literally, this one shot was supposed to last uh, for three uh sessions it has lasted for like almost 60 and it's turned into a three-year campaign guys like we have to wrap this up sometime (laughs) yeah so uh the so they all get together and they're they're all just like well hold on a second all right zuko you're in charge zuko's like what do you mean i'm in charge this is my favorite shit it's so fucking funny they're all like well my my dude like this has been your primary profession for the past you're kind of an expert seasons i know you like don't the whole show i know you don't put it on your resume like there's gonna be a gap <laughs> in between the time of yeah. like prince zuko and fire lord zuko uh you're but you're gonna have to explain that sometime and so we're just <laughs> we're prepping for those future interviews uh that gap is avatar hunting and we need it right now so get to work <laughs> we're about to do like we're already talking about doing crims there's no further harm and yeah. committing more of them right we're going grand theft auto on this bitch like let's just commit all the crims yeah uh and so zuko flies uh flies off on appa and they're all with him and they're like where are we going with this like why are you going to the earth kingdom why is everything so close via via flight it feels like even if they're flying on appa feels like it should still take them many hours, if not days, to get to a place, but they just seem to, like, lickety-split right over to the Earth Kingdom. Don't worry about it, it's fine. It's It's fine. fine. (laughs) 
So they run into, uh, they like go into this this bar and like they go into the tavern and the whole party is like, what? I thought you said we needed to bring this to a close. Why? Why are you bringing us to like the starting point of every like campaign ever? We're in like a classic Dungeons and Dragons tavern right now. We're bringing back the one NPC you never expected to see again. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> Do you want to tell us about this NPC, Ray? It's June, the fucking badass. Of course, yeah. Toph loves her. <laughs> okay, my only problem with June is that I wish her design was more buff. Like everything mm. else perfect slaps i will say this i think june reminds me of like uh up june is proto sami like mm-hmm. uh yeah mm. yeah sh- I, see I see some characteristics like if a sami was a rogue rebel or uh, rogue assassin then we get june <laughs> um i don't know can june firebend or does she just work for the fire nation uh no she's in the earth kingdom i don't think she's a bender though okay yeah i think she's an unbender yeah she's able to uh she's got her shershu animal companion though and those things mean business <laughs> they are not friendly creatures um that's actually one of the things spoilers for kiyoshi uh novels which we will talk about as a bonus episode at some point mm. uh, uh more spoilers um the shershu we get more background on them and this novel and i think they're they're very interesting creatures but holy fuck are they terrifying the, the players are like the party gathers without the dm the dm goes to the bathroom or something and they're like so what's the plan zuko's like okay remember that npc from like 30 sessions ago that had that like magical animal that could track someone from anywhere on Earth that the DM just clearly made up so that like he could move the story along the way that he wanted to. We're gonna go back to that character and we're gonna use it to break his campaign. Let's go! Hell yeah. <laughs> so they're like, great, that's what we're gonna do. Uh, it feels like whenever they need to track someone who is untrackable, they're just like, all right, bust out the sure shoes. <laughs> Time for the Deus Ex sure shoe. God. Did I just name the episode? Maybe. There's there's been a few that were in my head where I've been like, ding! Um, (laughs) Well, so the gang and Zuko, like, he goes on his flex. We get, like, a little mini arc within already our mini arc of the final, or the series finale. Uh, But we, then Aang wakes up uh, on what is, appears to be, like, another island, but it's not the island that he left from and so he's shank ang has been shang hide oh my Aang god has been, yeah bang ang ang hide <laughs> uh and he has no idea where he is so cliffhangers what? i guess guys we skipped the title of the episode we oh, gotta yeah, go back we to we're coming back to it we're coming back to it i feel like we end on this don't we we, we end on this scene well anyway. we're ending on it for this episode because there's probably yeah. more that we needed to talk about but yeah Aang, Azula Aang shows ends, up Eng's cliffhanger is he's on an unknown charted or an uncharted <laughs> island uh yeah. and the the gang is the rest of the gang is hiring uh an assassin so we see Two palanquins. Ah, yes, the the classic D and D party move where they if they can't do anything themselves. Ah, well, we have tons of gold. We'll just hire someone to do it for us. <laughs> um, so we get this scene where they're on two palanquins, Fire Lord Ozai and Zola, and they reach this zenith. They reach this epic platform in the center of the like clearly the 
have big discussions with my family members platform. Just oh, the yes, platform they go to to have very like grandiose <laughs> The platform that Ozai has pre-prepped just for this yeah. situation. O- Ozai is like, is everything ready for the big like the Phoenix King reveal? I need to have all the pyrotechnics like loaded the, ready to go. The one thing that Zuko has inherited from his father is drama. It's theater kid <laughs> the energy. <panache>. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, he tells Azula, he's like, listen, bitch, like, I'm not taking you with me. You're staying here. And she's like, what the fuck, dad? Dad, what the fuck? Azula is seeming, we are seeing the beginnings of her uh, descent throughout this entire episode. Uh, You know, her just, like, needlessly hassling the palanquin guys. Um, (laughs) Like, come on. Okay, but I think that the most revealing line, the thing that she says here, is, you can't treat me like Zuko. Like, oh my god. (laughs) That says a lot about their childhood, I think. She 1,000% knows the score. Yeah. Yeah. But she also, like, it just shows that she feels that she's done everything. She's like, no, I have been your perfect child. Everything that you punished Zuko for, I was not. And, like, she even put Zuko in... She manipulated that, like, disdain and that relationship between Zuko and their father uh, to her benefit and intentionally, like, made him a paranoid, like... Well, I I wouldn't say that she did anything because um, Zuko's the elder child. Azula has grown up seeing Zuko be ignored and abused by his father this whole time, and she had that example of what not to do. Azula Mm -hmm. has seen how Zuko gets treated, and she goes, okay, I have to be the opposite of that. And she does it, like, perfectly. Sure. And she knows, I can't mess up, or else I'm gonna end up being that. Absolutely. It makes you you wonder if... Azula's psychopathy is inherent, or if it was literally like programmed into her by her childhood. Kombi. <laughs> um, I think if we're looking at like the family history, like, and if we're trying to say like, and I want to ver- walk a very fine line here because we're not none of us are psychologists, so we can't like really armchair like psychologists. <laughs> this, no. but also, um, it's really dangerous. I think like. We can say, like, oh, yeah, we look at Fire Lord Ozai and then go back all the way to Sozin and see how their their campaign for power and how what they're able to just, like, so easily, like, off their friends and commit murder and war crimes uh, in the sake of whatever. So, like, it's a like, just the culture they were raised in, but also, like, oh, if we attribute that to some, like, mental health or something, uh, I think is a, like, fine line, but there there's definitely elements of... At the very least, sociopathy, if not psychopathy, and <laughs> all of all of them. So I, I think it's a combination of you know they were raised in this environment where um, you know they lived under a fact uh, fascist dictatorship, and they also uh, listen. I feel like growing up rich also or already makes it extremely yeah. <laughs> difficult to like empathize with the common person. Exactly. You know, On top the- of that, <laughs> she has got this like totalitarian father that has been like ingraining her with fascism basically her entire life she's been like had it injected into her sure but i wanted to go back and when ray had said i don't think that she manipulated anything she like knew exactly what she had to do in order to survive and avoid like the things that she saw happen to zuko but she did manipulate that relationship between zuko and 
her father because she knew that or had some inkling that the avatar was not dead and when zuko comes back and is heralded as a hero and she knows that like he seeks that praise and all he has done is um trying to seek that um that validation and that acceptance from his father he just wants at the end of the day all zuko wanted at that time was to seek approval and be loved by his father. I and thought you so, were saying that Azula manipulated Ozai, which I, I don't you. think is the no, case, but no, no she, she definitely, definitely has manipulated Zuko to her own benefit. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. yeah. She, re- she manipulated that relationship between... Her miscalculation was that she could just use that as a bludgeoning tool to make Zuko do whatever she I wanted. Think she, I think Azula thought that she had the game figured out. Azula, yeah. like, she, I and mean, like, what else are you going to think when as like a 14, 15 <laughs> year old that you're able to literally Go yeah, and mastermind an entire plot to corrode the. If you're Earth able kingdom, to single-handedly outsmart the Dai Li, yeah. like you must think yourself invincible. Exactly. Let's like make it today. Zuko's not doing what she wants. Her friends aren't doing what she wants. And then, yeah. how is she supposed to know how anyone's going to act anymore? Yeah, it's like making it to day three hundred in Project Zomboid. <laughs> something, something, some dumb mistake is going to take you out when you're feeling super confident. But she was able to, you know, whether it was her brother or like her friends. Like at the end of the day, that just validates for her. Like that's why you can't trust anyone but herself. But I think that her father, she's like, I've done everything for him, and there's no way. Like at the end of the day, that was what she has based her entire existence upon. And she could not handle the fact that sure. Like the betrayal of the other birds of prey and her brother, like those were like cutting threads that, but if they were to cover like, and when we eventually do get that, uh, like severance with Ozai, like that is the thing that just like sends her over the edge, like because she doesn't have like her entire life's purpose, like the thing that she hasn't built her entire identity on is just pulled from her. Um, so, so she basically is like, What the fuck, dad? and he's like, Don't worry, I, I'm I'm gonna leave you here and I'm gonna make you the fire lord. And she's like, Oh, fire lord Azula, that's that sounds pretty good. I, what are you gonna be? And he's like, Oh, did I not mention it? I'm going to make a higher position above Fire Lord, and then I will just leave you with the pittance of the lesser position that I'm leaving. It's like when when someone wants like to lead the company and the CEO is like, all right, well, I'll just be the super executive CEO, and then you can be the CEO underneath me. And you're just like, oh, I see. You're placating me like a child. And I don't think she draws that conclusion just now, but I think she definitely stews on it and comes to that conclusion later in the well, later in this he arc. He frames it so perfectly. He says, "Oh, I need you. This role is only you could do this, and I can't manage the Fire Kingdom now while I'm going off and literally burning the world to the, the world. ground. So I need you to trust it. Like this is where the brains of the operation are going to come from, and you need to like." sit here and even though it's just like her being a glorified babysitter like this has been a tactic all throughout history when like you know people in power like to reward their minions are just like oh i'll you know here's like some table scraps and for them they're like for compared to what they have like there's like yes absolutely like you know i have something that they can then just get like shit to them draws them closer (laughs) to that that power that they're they're seeking but meanwhile like the people in power are like they're like this is nothing it's a it's a nothing burger of a title we just 
gave it to you but to make you feel better. You can tell when she goes, but so if I'm going to be the Fire Lord, then what will you do? That he basically like looks over to all of the like backstage help and he's like, guys, it's time. Come on, like start start the show. And like they like move the record on, they move the needle onto the record and he's like, God. he's like, I will be the Phoenix King and like the fucking fireworks shoot off oh, and it's like a fucking God. It's like a, it's like a fucking kiss concert. Like <laughs> it's just everything lights up and shit. And uh, like that's kind of where we go to credits. But we we were robbed of a scene after that where like the the fireworks fizzle out and he goes, ah, <laughs> and 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 then there's a beat and then Azula like wiggles her hand and is just like, eh. <laughs> and she gets off. She gets sent to uh, Lake Lao Guy. Yeah. Um, right. Well, yeah. Comes back saying, "Thank you for that spa trip, Father. I really love the name Phoenix King. It works great." Before we end, I just want to say how um, honestly, obviously, this is something that has been in the works for a while. All of those banners, his uh, very elaborate costume, all of these yes. like followers that just bow down in unison and are dressed all in red we would joke oh paid actors but you know probably uh you know they yeah. were definitely this was rehearsed and this has had Ozai has had a marketing is, team working on this for weeks weeks <laughs> no we like this has been something that's been months if not years in the making and guys guys project project phoenix come on how's it going project phoenix no nah. No, he doesn't set anything up. He's an Elon Musk type. He's like, okay, I need this by the end of the week. You have to do it to my exact specifications or I'm killing all of you. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what kind of CEO is Fire Lord Ozai? Uh And then they all they're all work to the bone and they're like barely alive and he shows up at the end of the week and he goes, It'll do. Get it <laughs> get it set up. <laughs> I don't even want to know what Fire Lord Ozai is tweeting at like 3 a.m. in the morning. Oh, God. <laughs> like, besides Pepe the Frog memes and uh, going off about how, oh, we've been so generous letting other nations use our infrastructure, even though it's a vital part of trying of their war effort and trying to, like, you know, survive against this other nation that has come in and uh, completely tried to upsert their sovereignty as a nation. Uh, but we're gonna start charging you for that, and like, yeah, there's, there's, there, there were, uh, you didn't read the fine print of that contract, <laughs> so like, yeah, I'm sure Ozai has a lot of, you know, crazy things that affect the stock price of the, uh, not cap, and it does all at the end of the day. It just for Cabbage Corp, it you know he's doing dango bucks, so. Uh, he's like, yeah, let let Elon or I'm sorry, Fire Lord Ozai keep tweeting at three a.m. in the morning. So uh, that's going to bring the episode to a close. Um, final thoughts. What did we all think of this episode? I like. I feel like we kind of went all over the place. I think it felt like the beginning of the the big arc. Though. Right. It's it felt definitely like, set up, which doesn't set, mean that it's not a fun pieces, episode. Yeah. But yeah, we got uh, we get the sandcastles. <laughs> yeah, I think that we get, and you mentioned this throughout while we were watching. Babe, uh, some elements of the hero's journey, you know, we get the call to adventure and even, like, the refusal of the call, like, all, like, within the first couple of building blocks, so. <laughs> and next episode, we'll get the meeting with the goddess where Kyoshi tells Aang to fucking kill the Fire Lord. <laughs> Hell yeah, queen. Um, so, 
yeah, what were your final thoughts, uh, Ray? Any others? Uh, no, I I just really like Zuko. <laughs> I know. I'm glad I got to talk about him. <laughs> Zuko is awesome. He is one of our favorite characters. Mine will always be Sokka. Uh, them together as Zuka, and you know, hell yeah, yes, I know. We spoilers. We were originally going to have Rayon for the, the one of the Boiling Rock episodes, and you know what? I'm glad that while it would have been great to talk to you all day about Zuka and like fan fiction, <laughs> um, I'm glad we had you on for this episode because you had some really interesting takes. And we had some really good discussions that I think were a little yeah. deeper. So uh, just for you know, like editing, Zach, we may want to put some trigger warnings at the beginning of this episode for. Yeah, uh, yeah, the editing Zach. Speaking of editing Zach, for genocide uh, and <laughs> editing Zach. Listen, uh, you're looking down the barrel of a uh, hour and forty minute episode. You, listen, you're going to do great. At this point, it's almost over. You're almost at the end. You're doing a great job. You're almost there. Pat yourself on the back. You got about another hour Claps and a half. Editing of, Zach. You, you got another hour and a half of maybe laying in goofy sound uh, bits <laughs> on Premiere, and then you can release the episode and call it a day. Woo! Proud of you, man. Go pop a champagne, uh, drink a beer. Anyway, um, this has been uh, great. We are my cabbages. This has been a great episode, and we have three more to go before this is the end of the series. Go uh, before we tell talk about us. Um, uh, Ray, uh, go ahead and um, share. Plug yo shit. Plug yo shit. <laughs> I would love to. So I'm on Of the Eldest Gods. That's a network podcast. Uh, you can find us at Of the Eldest Gods Pod, I believe, on Twitter. Um, I'm also on Barbie Movie Slaps. That's Barbie Slaps on Twitter. That is a mess. But if you would like to listen to it, <laughs> we welcome you. Uh, I'm at it's Hey Hey Ray on Twitter. Uh, if you want to follow me, I haven't logged in in maybe a month the world is falling apart around me don't worry about it <laughs> you're doing great you're doing the best that you can uh that's our motto over on deus ex media yeah. so also twitter is a nightmare so <laughs> maybe we yeah. all need to move unmitigated mess again <laughs> um, um i will s- sorry uh, before we end this episode and tell us where people can find us i wanted to make two shout outs for this week the first is to our uh, friend Sofi, who reached out on Instagram, um, also known as Sophia. Um, the message reads, uh, hi, my name is Sophia. I found your podcast in school. Um, I really started listening again after losing it. Um, and I'm currently listening to episode eight. This is amazing. And I think it would be cool if you made an episode of the pilot. Um, this is so funny and amazing. Please keep up with the amazing stuff. Thanks again for making such great content. Uh, thank you so much for reaching out, Sophia. And we want to also say to you that to the people that have maybe this is your first episode listening or you're just catching up through a backlog. We actually did do the pilot episode. Um, we did. We did it. I was like, when I when I read that, I was like, oh boy, are they going to be excited? Because we did the pilot episode. We are so grateful for your Cabbage Dispatch. Uh, and we will, just like with any other fans, if you reach out to us on social media or through um, some of the contacts that Jack's about to share, we will read your message on the pod. We love hearing from people. And if you can't, go and leave us a review wherever you get podcasts. Uh, even uh, just a five stars is great, but if you add a comment to it, that even helps boost our ratings even more. 
Um, and I will also give our final shout out to our new patron. Thank you, Christina Khan. Um, we know th- our pod daddy, Christina. Oh, yeah, we know that uh, you're amazing and wonderful. We're so grateful to your patronage. Uh, unnecessary, but always welcome. And so uh, we will give a shout out and we look forward uh, to all the other people. If you want to go check us out on Patreon for $5 a month, you get access to our bonus content. Um, and for $1, you can join our awesome discord community. We have a, a monthly book club and a ton of other fandoms that you get to interact with, including of the eldest gods and Ray y'all have a disc or a Patreon too. So check them out. Um, yeah. Join for a dollar, like join for a dollar, get fun access to the discord. Like it's just a good time. Yeah. Join us. And no, you're not supposed like, I'm not supposed to tell you all this, but you can cancel your $1 after Join, and we won't kick you off the Discord because we're like that. Oh my god! So you could just pay one dollar, and you're like you're in. Uh, Don't tell them that I told you this. Like we're not. I'm not gonna pretend I heard that. Uh, yeah. And with that, you can find us uh, at CabbageCast on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram at mycabbagecast, and you can email us at g uh, on on Gmail at mycabbagecast at gmail Those are our three things. And you can also check out uh, Jay Curtis, who does our theme music. You can find him. Our intro and outro. He's great. His new uh, yeah, his new band, Shift Meal, just put out their AP. They're great. Listen to them. All of their info will, and ours will down be in the show notes. Uh, this has been a great episode, y'all. Uh, uh, I'm Zach. I'm Alex. Oh, I'm Ray. Hi. <laughs> and this has, this been, has been My, my Cabbages! And that was our podcast. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Peace and love. Bye. Two lovers forbidden from one another. A war divides their people. And a mountain divides them. Labyrinth, whatever. And we tell you all about the next book in the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series. And explain the context as we go along. So, the whole stuck in a maze thing is just a gimmick for this book, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure, Ray. Uh, hey, 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 Charlie! Where the fuck are we? Only you can save us from the labyrinth by listening to our podcast. Help! Dave X Media.